I've said no to certain material because I don't, I don't like the idea. Obviously you have to pay your rent and sometimes I, you know, you have to do work that maybe doesn't set your world on fire. But at the same time, I don't like the idea of working in a way where I'm just phoning it in. You know, you get the part and you find out later on that the film lost financing because you got the part. Welcome to episode 10 of 1000 Failures. I'm your host, Darius Marcelin, and today I have Ashley Franciosi. Ashley is a friend of mine. She's an amazing talent, great heart, and today she is having this conversation with me about 1000 Failures and her journey. Ashley is in the hit film coming up this summer called The Nightingale, which comes out August 2nd. And it was a hit on the Sundance circuit, so I can't wait to watch. I didn't ask any spoilers or anything like that. And she was on another show. I mean, she's been on a few shows as well, but she's on a small show called um, The Game of Thrones. Yes, she was on The Game of Thrones. And she's just so humble and just shared all her insights. I asked her a million questions, so just be prepared for a good show Ashley um, she was on a bunch of uh, shows in, in England she was moved from Ireland to England works over here and she is based in the USA for now and Ashley is just just amazing 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 conversation we had together and before I jump into our conversation Ashley uh, spoke a lot about just having the ability to choose and saying no to jobs. And for me, that resonates <laughs> a lot with me because uh, after we finished the conversation, I then looked back and I said, wow, you know, this year I, I, did it, I shot a movie and I played a role that I didn't really want to play, but I did it because it was a role and was like a big feature film and something like that. And um, and saying no wasn't anything that really crossed my mind. I just took the job and I did it. And in this conversation that Ashley and I have, Ashley turned down a role for a major series. And she was in a point of her life where she was waitressing. And the job was high paying. And it could have been, in inverted commas, career changing, but it didn't feel right to her. And seeing that maturity, and I just sat across, I was like, wow, sitting across from you and hearing that just really opened my eyes and just exposed different parts of me that I need to work on as an actor and as a human, you know, saying no to things that aren't for you and the right things would just come your way. So watching her career and over a 10-year career that she has, and this summer, she's starring in her film. She's shooting right now another film and giving back to the acting and film community coming onto this podcast show today. She's sharing what her knowledge is, her experiences on set of The Nightingale and how that was shooting in Tasmania, what it was like being in a trailer. I asked her everything. So... I just wanted to just hop on that while you listen to the podcast episode of just having the power to choose to say no. And it has nothing to do with being a hard talent to deal with or you have so many options that you could afford to say no or you have a big ego. No, it's choosing a job that's right for you. And, and I think that will define your career. Uh, I remember Arnold said with his Austrian voice that he said that you know he didn't see himself as an extra or co-star guy he saw himself as being on billboards and being the poster guy and he wanted those jobs he demanded that and he saw himself as that he believed in himself and in this industry if you don't believe in yourself that you could be the face or you could carry a movie or you could be a lead no one else no agent no manager no best friend no one is going to believe in you so you have to believe in yourself first 
So yeah, I just wanted to say that before we got started, and that touched me a lot. And if you're listening to this episode before we jump in and you hear everything about Game of Thrones and this big movie coming out, I want you to, if you could please just screenshot it, screenshot the page on your phone on the podcast, just let me know which parts of the episode you like the most. I myself, I'm growing so much from this podcast and your feedback really, really, really helps me. And I'm just getting better interviewing as this goes on and this whole process. So we all like learning together on this road and figuring out this thing called life. So I'm about to jump into this episode. If you could just screenshot it, go down, rate, give me a rating on it. Five stars, preferably. That would be great. And um, Ashley, you ready? Ashley Francioci. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Um, this is like the most comfortable uh, setting to do this podcast. And I'm away from home, but this is like my second home now. Thank you, Rachel, for yeah. letting us use your studio. Rachel Robner, <laughs> the queen of homeliness. Double R. <laughs> Although I just want to say for anyone who's just listening, we're sitting on leather couches. So if there are noises that sound like butt noises, it's the leather couch. Uh, <laughs> It's not us. And <laughs> we have a sleeping dog right between us. Yeah. So, um, Ash, so I was telling you before, this podcast, 1000 Failures, is about the journey of creatives, um, and in, in particular, you, an actress. Um, tell us about your story and how you came about to have such a, a new career, but so such a remarkable career so far thanks um I well I knew that I wanted to be an actor from when I was like six years old I did one drama class and I just came home and said I want to be an actor and I never ever veered from that ever um I enjoyed school and stuff so my parents really encouraged me to continue to do well at school and get good grades and stuff so to have a fallback you know because it's a pretty insecure business so they wanted me to have the option of maybe going back to college or whatever. So I studied languages at college because they wanted me to do an quote unquote normal degree first. <laughs> yeah. um, and I actually ended up dropping out in my final year to pursue acting because I got an opportunity that I couldn't refuse. Well, what age is that? Uh, 20, I was 21. Yeah, I was 21. Mind you, you look like you're seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has served me well. I, honestly, it's only now that I'm starting to not play just teenagers, which is fun. But, um, yeah, but it's what you were saying, like a new career. It's, I completely agree. It feels that way to me, even though I've been working professionally as an actor for 10 years now, I feel I'm only starting now to get to a place where I feel like I'm on the right track, which probably isn't a good way to look at it actually, because, you know, I'm sure 16 year old me would have looked at me on my first job going, Oh my God, that's so cool. I want to do that. But it's crazy how, when you're pursuing something, you kind of, just keep looking to the next thing, keep looking to the next thing. And you, I find anyway, I don't necessarily stop and go, you're like, you're doing okay. It's always like <gasps> kind of the panic yeah. of getting the next thing. Yeah. Um, and, and you're from? Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. So uh, you're in Los Angeles right now. Yes. How did you transition from Ireland to coming to the U.S.? What did you do to get over here? Um, it was a bit of a meandering journey to get yeah. here. Uh, when I was younger, I always obviously thought about, I think, because we grow up, well, I certainly did. I'm sure a lot of us did grow up with so many American movies. Like, they were the, right. where the movie stars were, where the acting was <laughs> happening. Um, so first, I moved to the UK, because I'm from Dublin. Well, I grew up in Dublin, which is a great city, but it's very small, and the industry is really tiny there. Um, and so I went to London cause that seemed like the logical next when, step. What age did you go over there to London? Like 22. Okay. So you were like a fairly mature. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cause I had done college and then I, when I dropped out, I kind of moved after that. And then, um, I always wanted to come here, but not having a visa was something I found really right. got in the way a lot. Um, and also, you know, you'd book a, a ticket and then something would happen in London or Dublin and I would, I'd stay. Um, 
But last year, I really made the decision that I wanted to try come out here and see if I liked it. So I stayed here for about four or five months. I do like LA. Ah, I do like it. There are a lot of things I love, especially Rachel Robner. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel Rachel Robner. Shout out Rachel Robner again. Uh, And, you know, getting to meet really cool people like you and and a bunch of others. But I'm going to be totally honest. And I was a little, not disappointed in myself, but, you know, when you think LA, LA and Hollywood and movies Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, I just last year found that I found myself being incredibly demoralized while I was here. And I found it really difficult actually you know being an actor in this town not so much from you know booking gigs or not booking gigs but because it's such a it's a town where the industry is so prevalent um, and dominant you know everywhere you go you hear people talking about scripts or pitches or acting or auditions and I find that it's a city that's always kind of looking for the next hot thing and so you kind of have to you well I found that I was feeling the pressure of um, I, I'm not the, like I'm not feeling hot right now right. like I'm not on my top game right now and I just find it's really heightened here so I do love visiting LA and you know it's incredible for work opportunities but I find that for my personality um yeah. I'm currently living in New York um so and I find that New York just suits me better <laughs> what, what, because New York for sure um and like I lived in New York and you would rarely meet anyone in this industry, like film, TV, like script. And if you do, it's like a small network community of people. Have you, how long have you lived in New York? Only eight months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like in New York, you'll find out if you delve more into it or mm-hmm. if your personality is more like, you know, I'm going to just chill and audition and wait for my agent. But like diving into it to go head first, it's like a small community of people and New York, it's so like, so rare to meet someone in the industry. Yeah, you know? well, certainly in a random way. Like if you go to right. a party, if you go to a party here, yeah. <laughs> like everyone in some way is connected yeah. or wants to be. Yeah. Whereas in New York, I think a lot of people don't care. Or they're like, oh, they, cool. They have like, <laughs> New York, it's finance, it's restaurants, it's restaurants, it's sports, it's marketing, it's every single um, you name it, you, you could get a job there. And in LA, it's if this person's not in the industry, they know somebody who's in the industry. That's yeah. how it is here. Yeah. You know, it's that second connection on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I I find that I struggle with it. But maybe that's because I, last year when I was here, I have to be totally honest, I was in a very weird patch in my career. Um, mm. It was really hard. I wasn't, like, I hadn't booked a gig for a long time. And it was after coming off probably one of the best projects I've ever worked on to then go to a pretty quiet time in LA like it just all kind of started mounting up and I so I maybe I have a slightly skewed vision of what being here is like but honestly you know I think it was good for me to see what it's like here when you're not working because that's hard you know it's always (laughs) it's really easy to like wherever you are if everything's going well but I was like oh god I'm so depressing (laughs) yeah so you like in like New York, um, when you when you came from England, mm-hmm. you moved to New York or LA? Uh, at first, it was on and off. I came to LA first last uh-huh. year for about five months on and off. But then obviously, I had I didn't have my visa yet, so I you have a limited limited amount of time. Yeah. And then I got my visa in September of last year. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> got that visa. <laughs> Which honestly made a huge difference straight away. Um, and then moved to New York in October. I hear, like, oh, my God. Every single person, and even people message me on my podcast, like, on the channels. And they're from Australia, England, Ireland, Scotland. And everyone's like, how do we get a visa? And I want to give them an answer. But I know it's the toughest thing. I just know there's a solution for every single person. And... One time I randomly came across some Australian people I knew on the streets and they were taking a class in during a break. And they told me, you know, it's just so tough getting a visa and everything like that. Like, it's so hard getting a visa. (laughs) (laughs) But I told them, look, if I were you guys, ask someone who is Australian, reach out to actresses from Australia, actors from Australia, and just ask them, say, hey, could you mentor me? give me some of your steps, you know, that to me is best advice. 
what advice would you give someone from Dublin, Dublin or, <laughs> or England? Um, what was your path to getting a visa and working across here like? This might not be the most uplifting answer. Oh <laughs> but we want the truth here. We want the okay. truth. For me, having a great lawyer made a huge difference. Wow. I'm an immigration lawyer. Mm. I've heard of people who you know, do all the paperwork themselves. I am terrible with administration, Same. like really bad. Um, so I got a great immigration lawyer here. And also then I was lucky enough to have a producer who kind of, you know, championed me. And then my agents helped me get letters of recommendation and all that kind of stuff that you uh, need um, to, yeah, get my visa. So good lawyer. And my, agents, my agency as well sponsored my visa. Okay. So, um, so I, I do think a good lawyer definitely helps. So lawyer, though. agency, producer. Those yeah. Are, those are, so that was what, what did it for me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I've heard of so many different... But, like, there are a lot of people... You know, there are a lot of people who get visas and you maybe don't have the biggest CV, you know? So there, there are... It's not like you have to have done tons of projects or you know have the top people um champion you but definitely having if you can reach out to people who have some sway in the industry yeah. i think who can say that they believe that you'll get work and that helps but yeah and is it like a cross fingers thing or you, your lawyer was like you got this girl like, we got you we got you or uh, is it like fingers crossed it's going in and you're nervous is I it? think in this current administration, everyone was yes. a bit like, we'll stop to see. <laughs> yeah. um, I was really lucky and I got mine quite quickly. Well, I'm happy because then you're here. Thank you. We're rocking this podcast and you're sharing your knowledge. Yeah. So tell me about like that first big gig you said in London, that first big gig. What age, what was your age and what, how did that gig come around? Um, it actually, for some reason, the one that I left college for <laughs> hilariously <laughs> was not a gig that oh, like moved my career forward really in in a very classic way or or, or um you, you know it was in, in a more it was in a more abstract way that it helped my career but so i the first show i ever did was a show called the fall on the, on netflix which became really popular with Gillian anderson and jamie dornan but i i navigated doing that as well as continuing my studies mm. and i did some theater so for the first few years that's how i did it but in my fourth and final year and this just goes to show how unpredictable the industry and it really yeah. taught me early on like not to expect anything from a job yeah. because it was prime time sunday night viewing on bbc lead female role with like michael gambon and gabriel oh, byrne oh and God. and it was an it was a great experience i love the job i left college <laughs> Um, and I learned loads because Gabriel was amazing. He was like a mentor to me and just watching him, I learned so much, but it wasn't particularly successful as a series. So it was based on a series of books and there were like seven books. So I think people thought that we would do all seven books, yeah. but we stopped after the first three because they just didn't, it just didn't land the way that they expected it to. And so that was kind of a, little bit of an awakening kind of going oh you know you can't not that I thought here I am yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be it but I you know it's normal to think oh maybe this will get me in the door for this right. or maybe I'll get in front of this person so it didn't no like not at all but I got my first American agent through Gabriel right. um which was well, really crazy. exciting through an actor yeah he was so as he's amazing to, as opposed to you know you reaching out and saying look at my thing I'm a lead that didn't work? Yeah, oh, I, I, was, I didn't ha know anyone. I mean, I knew a couple of actors from having worked in the theater, and but I didn't, I didn't know anything. I still am learning so much about this industry yeah. and how it works. Um, Just before, um, I like to go through the process. Yes, did, did you Did you audition for this role and, and, and compete against like hundreds of people as um, a lead role? Or was it something they said like, oh, you look like that part? It was really, I think it was Gabriel who, I mean, the casting director, Louise, Louise Kylie, she's great, but Gabriel was in the room um, for the oh, first, you know, yeah. Thankfully, I don't get starstruck or, and actually, <laughs> I think I remember, this is so cheeky. I don't think I've ever said this out loud to anyone, but I was in the hallway waiting to audition. The girl before me, who's really lovely, came out and left and I could hear what they were, I wasn't trying to, but there was like a big gap below the door and wooden floors. So I could hear everything that they were saying. 
and they were like, oh, she was great, but you know, she seems a bit shy, not that chatty. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, that's me. Okay. <laughs> um, so I just said to myself, you, you can't be nervous. Kick open the door and you're like, yeah. I am here. But to Gabriel's credit, you know, I had done the fall, but it hadn't come out on TV yet. So mm. I was doing a show, I was doing Roman Juliet at the time, and that was, you know, I talked about that and I talked about having done the show, but he had never seen me in anything. Yeah. So he just, and we had a lot of scenes together in the show. So he just, I think he kind of pushed for me. And yeah, I did, I auditioned like a normal process. I did callbacks yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, I've only like just had one role, you know, flat out offered to me without an audition. I actually really like auditioning though, so. Nice. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm like, my brain is very, like, it goes oh, in a million we, directions. We ain't here right now. We ain't here right now. We're flowing. <laughs> but I think everybody's going to pick up pick up on it and catch on. So don't worry. Mm. I'm, I'm like scattered too. Okay. Um, <laughs> so back to, so you then auditioned, you got this role, and it didn't lead to anything, but Gabriel kind of kicked you off in the direction of an agent. Yeah. Um, what was... What was that step getting the American agent? Did they get you auditions in America or was it jobs in England? They got me auditions in the States to a certain extent. I was also 20, whatever I was, 21. Um, but I looked about 12 probably. <laughs> oh my God, I cannot imagine you <laughs> Well, I definitely looked young. So there aren't that many. Um, I mean, now it's different, I think, because so much of even the darkest drama. I mean, there were parts for teenagers, but it was parts I didn't want to play. I didn't want to just play like the teenage daughter, you know what I mean? Um, but I do find that, and maybe it's changing with the world of self-taping more yeah. and more, but I did find that my American agents would do a lot more for me while I was in the country. You know, I would come out here for weeks right. at a time. And I definitely found that they, when I was here, would bang out the meetings. But then when I was in Europe, it might be a, little bit slower right um but then there was also the added issue of when i did get auditions Easy. i would get yeah i would get down to the you know i'd get through a couple of rounds and then they would eventually say like what's your visa status and you know i would say i don't have one <laughs> um which definitely got in the way and it was really last year i came out when i was out here seeing if i wanted to live here there was a casting director i'm trying to remember who it was it'll come to me Anyway, she's great. She like cast like Breaking Bad and everything. Oh my God, why can't I think of her what? name? Anyway, and she said to me, you have to get a visa. She said, because I could definitely cast actors, you know, in cool guest roles that sometimes grow into bigger roles. I would even cast them if it was done on an iPhone self-tape while they're in a hotel somewhere. It doesn't matter to me. If they're good, I want to cast them. But if they don't have a visa, you know, usually we cast these cool guest leads quite close to the time of shooting so it, we don't right. have time even if we yeah. really really want them we don't have time to or probably you know the will to yeah try get a visa for someone so having that and it i found instantly it worked you know i, I would start getting seen for cool little roles. roles here and there and for me coming over here the main thing was just to get my foot in the door right. um I, I say it all the time, but I really do still feel like I'm still very much at the beginning. Of is it because you've been here and you've worked with probably more seasoned actors, so you're probably comparing yourself to other people. In LA, everyone's so competitive. But on the outside, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, they look up to you, you know? <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth you to take in, I know. But that's how it is, I guess. On the outside, you know, I, I, I look at your body of work and you're in Vogue magazine and everything like that. You're all the jobs that were for you were meant for you, you know. So I don't think you need a long list. I think the right roles were for you and for you. So uh, everyone's a little bit different. Some people do a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of course. There are people who do, do like tons of co-star roles, mm -hmm. guest star roles. Yeah. And no leads. And here you are hanging a few leads on your... Your arms. <laughs> yeah uh well thank you i definitely don't feel like i'm at that point um and when people even ask me for advice i'm like i don't know yeah. <laughs> um i think i really do believe in trusting your gut as well um i really believe that i've had a couple of occasions where though it's been incredibly tempting maybe to take something but i have felt like this would be not such a good move for me <laughs> like what 
Um, Quick words. Just work that I, well, okay, actually, here's, this actually turned out nicely, but when I realized the power of no, <laughs> not in like the Me Too context, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I was broke, like so broke that I had to move back from London and move in with my mom again. I started working as a waitress and I auditioned pretty casually for a series. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying this, but whatever. I auditioned for a series called Legends, right. which was a Fox and TNT production. And I kind of, I hadn't done much research on the show. I just learned the lines and I went in and then I'd never auditioned for an American show ever. You know, like the big contracts type stuff. Right. And my agent called me and she said, you know, they want you to do a test deal. I said, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> and she said, you know, you have to, you have to sign a contract. It's a five-year contract and, you know, they'll pay you this amount of money. And I was like, what? Um, by the way, everyone should know that pay for actors in Europe is incomparable to the pay in the US. Really? I mean, people get paid so, 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 so much more here. So much more here. Um, and I thought, oh, like, okay. I life mean, changing? like, yeah, life. Well, I was living with my mom again and working as a waitress. <laughs> so anything would have so, been life changing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I said, okay, well, I mean, I don't know anything about my character. I had only seen the two scenes, right? Oh, wow. I didn't know anything about the character. And I was like, I don't really want to sign a contract if I don't know what the character is doing. Like, what's the character arc? Um, and she said, well, there's a first season. You should watch the first season. So I watched the first season. Didn't love it right. at all. But I didn't realize that they were actually discouraging people from doing that because they were trying to reinvent the show. Um, mm. They were only, you know, Sean Bean starred and um, they kept they kept a producer and Sean Bean and I think one out there actor, Morris Chestnut. And they really didn't want people to watch the first season because they were like, we're completely reimagining it. It's going to be a whole new show. Right. But I didn't know that. So I said, like crying, I cried all weekend and I'm not really a crier. I wasn't um and I called my agent and I said like I can't I can't I can't I can't take this I said mm. because I didn't love the first season I don't want to sign a like five-year contract and also I was doing that show the fall and there was another season to go and I said I love this show like I don't want to not oh, be allowed so to do it on a show. yeah right. so she was like okay like we'll stand behind you and I was like you have to understand I said no to like, like oh, a lot of <laughs> girl oh. um and the crazy thing is that two days later my agent called back and she said you want to sit down and I said okay and she said you know they've come back and they've said why did she say no like they want to talk about it yeah. I was like oh okay <laughs> And, and I was like, well, you know, these are my problems, X, Y, and Z. And they said, look, the showrunner is going to call you and talk through the series. And, and I, then that's when he told me, we're completely reimagining the show. Like, you know, I said, what did you find was problematic with season one? Because it's not like everything about season one was bad. There were just a lot of things I found problematic. And he said what he thought was problematic. And it was the exact same as what I had wow. thought was problematic. So then I thought, you know what? This is like taking a risk like with any other show. The showrunner is really, really smart. He's a really like great writer. Um, and, and you guys have the same vision of yeah exactly so then I was like okay yeah yeah let's do this but I was like okay interesting how when you say no it doesn't mean that you know your career is over or whatever <laughs> you know I, like I, I was always a people pleaser and I hated saying no so that was a good lesson to what learn what did your agents say they were really great about it actually and I think it was also a good lesson for them because you know a lot since then I've said no to certain material because I don't I don't like the idea obviously you have to pay your rent and sometimes I you know you have to do work that maybe doesn't set your world on fire but at the same time I don't like the idea of working in a way where I'm just phoning it in right. um so they also early on got used to the idea of me being me saying no even if it's you know like a lot of yeah, um, money but there are also downsides to that because sometimes you can have years like the one that I did last year mm. where I it was tough you know like it was I said no to some projects that I didn't think were the right next move and then you're like waiting and waiting right. and waiting so you kind of have to you know 
be okay with the choices that so how, you make. So how long was Legends going to be? Five years? Is it five yeah, years? so then, and actually we did a, like, they did a really good jo uh, job of recreating, like, yeah. of um, kind of rebranding and recreating. recreating it. It was really smart, really good, but, you know, it was, it's hard, I think, with the second season to kind of get back the viewers that you lost from the first one. So unfortunately it didn't go ahead. Um, which was, you know, really disappointing. All the writers had done an amazing job and, and the showrunner too and all the cast. But, um, and that was a shame. But, you know, that also happens. That's another example. It's like, yeah. even if you sign five years and you think, woohoo, I'm going to go out and buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might not, it might not go. So you were still finishing up that last season of The Fall? Yeah. So then I, yeah, after I finished Legends, I went and I did the last season of The Fall. Um, and after I did that season, it was like the first time that I had, had you know completely empty space like i didn't right. there was no second or third season of anything else i was just back to just auditioning from scratch and the four was shot in england in belfast yeah belfast mm -hmm. okay and you said and you said it was different p because it was like a bbc kind of thing yeah it's just i don't really know well i guess maybe the companies and the studios and everything else here so have more money but i mean i told I told uh, a, um, a showrunner here how much I got paid for the whole first season. And he was like, <laughs> my runners get paid more than that. Like, yeah. it's just a different, um, it's just different. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> so after fall, what was after fall? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I worked with a director called Ken Loach on a film called Jimmy's Hall. Um, Ken Loach is like, I think he's 84 years old now or something. And he's, oh. um, yeah, uh, has been working for years and years and years in the UK. In the UK. And that film went to Cannes. Nice. So, so did you get to go to Cannes? Yeah, I did. Yes. I don't know why, because we were kind of like an ensemble cast. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were like two main leads. And then for some bizarre reason, I got to go. But it was what? it was fun. Yeah, it was cool. And then I'm trying to think what else happened after that. How, how was working? Who got you? auditions in England American agent um no so initially my I signed with an Irish agent first mm. they uh had an they have an office in London and for a while I was with that office but then I decided to go to a different UK office and then they started getting me um it's kind of it depends with it with England and Ireland it depends on the on where is something is shooting what the material is right. um and then I signed with that American agent and I recent like about a year and a half no two years ago I changed agency in the States and you could have a UK agent and American agent yeah and it's like both of them could be exclusive but different countries. well I specifically chose agents that I hoped would work well together I don't cool. like the idea of you know I want to have the feeling that we're kind of on a team right. uh, as corny as that sounds but Apart from the fact that, I mean, even you're if it sounds CEO. corny. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like your team. <laughs> if it sounds corny, but you don't want tension or you, you right. kind of want everyone on the same page. It just makes things easier for everyone. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with my representation at the moment, which is nice. <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to representation. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so Game of Thrones. <laughs> How did uh, the Game of Thrones come about? That was crazy, actually. I just put myself on tape. That was it. So who, so who, so your rep in the UK said, hey, yeah, my rep in the UK said there's something, or they said Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, oh no, they said there's an audition for Game of Thrones. I mean, honestly, if you're in the UK and Ireland, uh, almost every actor auditioned for Game of Thrones. Really? It's like, well, I mean, that might be a slight exaggeration, but yeah, well, I, I mean, you, they I get through a lot of actors. Most of them, well, a lot of them are UK mm -hmm. or Irish. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I had, and I, so I'd auditioned a couple of times before, but then also there, sometimes there were parts where it was like, oh, she has sex with him and then is killed. And yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, but then this audition came along. I don't know that I was working at the time. I don't think I was. I can't remember. Um, and I had never seen Game of Thrones. I was just about to ask yeah. if you seen Game of Thrones. I had never seen it. And then my poor agent, so then I, I rang my, my Irish agent is a huge fan. I mean, right. like crazy fanatic. And so he was super excited. And I got the sides and I thought, ah, oh, these don't really make, like there's something, you know, when you think that they're dummy sides. I'm yeah. like, there's something not. Were they dummy sides? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, there was there was information missing from them because obviously they were terrified of spoilers and stuff. So I'm not sure if I was supposed to do this, but I didn't know what the hell. Like I I like having context for my auditions, you know. Right. So I rang my Irish agent. And I said, okay, so I need your advice. There's this scene and there's this girl who I'm playing who's like on her deathbed and she's talking to like what seems like could be Ned Stark, but that doesn't make sense because he's young. And he was like, oh my god, huge spoiler. Fuck, spoiler! And I was like, "Oh, I'm so no. sorry. I'm so sorry." Um, but so he was. Then he was. He was super excited slash disappointed because I just like spoiled a lot for him. Um, but that was cra- I that was crazy. I just sent myself. I just did one tape. I never met like anyone so was, for was it. A callback or anything? No, I just sent just the tape. One tape and you yeah. just went in. What? Yeah. I would love to see that tape. Oh uh, yeah, I think I was pretty like I think I was pretty snotty and tearful. So we. So you did it at home. Yeah, with my mom. <laughs> wow, mom. Shout out to mom. Did she, was she your self-tape partner? Yeah, when I'm in Ireland, she's my self-tape partner. She's very good. I tra- oh, I've i trained yeah. her up. I've trained her up. Is she like your best friend? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I could tell why you miss her. Yeah. Um, well, you did a self-tape, and then they said, did you get an email, a phone call? What my agent it? called me. She's like, so cool. They want to offer it to you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, and you've not been the Game of Thrones fan. No, You're I... like, oh, okay, I'm going to work. No, so. I mean, I knew it was still Game of Thrones, right. but I didn't. I had no idea, like, how big of a spoiler that was. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started watching... I started watching the series then because I was like, I need to know... I kind of need to know what this is all about. And I really, really liked it. Um, yeah. And actually, I, I you're obviously not supposed to tell anyone that you're in it. But I had told my mom and my brothers. And when we had Christmas dinner with, like, extended family. <laughs> and you're just like, and mom. My mom is really close with her sisters. Really, really close. So my dad was there as well. And um, my aunt was making fun of him. And she, she was trying to wind him up. And she said, oh what are you going to do when Ashling's on Game of Thrones and there's like sex and nudity? And and I looked at my mom and I was like, mom? And I was like, and there's not going to be any sex and nudity in my scene. And they're all like, what? We were just oh joking. I feel like you have to control your parents more than you. Uh, my, my mom hadn't said anything. Yeah. I just thought it was a coincidence that my aunt like jokingly yeah. said that I would be in Game of Thrones, but I thought my mom had told her. So yeah. then I announced the whole table accidentally <laughs> that I was going to be doing it. So I was like, you guys can't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's nice. You know, it's kind of crazy. I shot for one day, which is shorter than I've been on any other project. Right. And yet it's the one that people are kind of yeah because it's like a part of history yeah in a way i guess yeah yeah um and what was it like so you flew to is it was it in ireland oh that was the other part i was like oh where do i get to film because they film in iceland and morocco and croatia and belfast where i'd already shot three seasons of the fall and they're like oh belfast I'm like, okay, okay. great <laughs> um but it's actually really nice because i find that having smaller roles and things can be a bit intimidating because you have to jump in jump in when everyone else is already in the groove of things. And obviously it's such a massive show, but I had already worked with a lot of the crew. Um, and I always get on what? really well with the crew oh. because they had been on the show the fall. So when they weren't doing Game of Thrones, they did the fall. Ah. Um, so that was really nice because I felt, whew, I know, I know these people. Yeah, and they, they probably like, it's probably cool to see familiar faces, maybe. Yeah, it, well, I find it really helpful. I, I That's why I always like to get to know the crew on any job. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's easy with cast because you're with them all the time, but I don't know. I just think I really believe in very collaborative work, and I think that that goes across the board, like not just with the director and the actors, but with your crew, you know? Yeah. Like the, the camera operator, the focus puller, the boom guy, like you're all kind of in this little dance, and I... So I and I and I find it comforting knowing that they've kind of got my back and I'll try to help them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would be slaughtered alive if I didn't ask you how how was it uh, working with like some of the cast on day? You just worked with like how many members of the cast did you work with on that day? On Game of Thrones? No, like that's the other thing because we were in a flashback. I was only with um this actor rob who was played the young right. ned stark so we we actually though it was funny because when i got to set kate harrington was there and it was when people didn't know if he was alive or dead or not like john snow and so i was like oh well i guess 
I guess I know the answer to that question. <laughs> so I couldn't tell anyone because obviously that would be yeah. massive. But so I didn't. And then and then I worked with another actor called Wilf. And um, I've forgotten the name of the guy who played the priest. And then Isaac who plays um, Bran. But it was really br- like, you know, it was two. I think it was two days in total for both yeah. scenes. So, um, yeah. And then flashback, obviously. So not I didn't work with any of the Game yeah. of Thrones cast. Yeah. But you still got to see Kit. Yeah. Everyone loves Kit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and after Game of Thrones, what was there? I know you said nothing happened after fall, mm-hmm. but I know there are so many crazy Game of Thrones fanatics in America. What, did anybody reach out to you from it? Uh, well, my Twitter following, I tweeted as well when the night, like at the night of the episode saying, I get, I'm going to pretend, I think I said something like, I'm going to pretend this means I can take credit for his good looks. <laughs> um, and then like, you know. I have a lot of, I owe a lot of my followers on Twitter and Instagram to Game See, of Thrones. There we go. <laughs> Thrones for life. Yeah, Thrones, Game of Thrones. So, so from Game of Thrones, what was Ashley doing right after that? Like, after you basking in that? Um, well, actually, as it happened, when I booked that, shortly after I booked another job for BBC called Clique. Um, it's the same, I think, I think Skins was over here. I know they did an American version, yeah, but there was the BBC. Rachel Roberts Rachel, nodding. Rachel Roberts nodding. Are you nodding? <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> so the same creators made a new, like a, a new kind of version of it about um, a group of girls in college in Edinburgh. So I did that. And then Were after you a college that, girl? I mean, actually, it was kind of fun. I, I really liked the role that I played because she was... A kind of a crazy partier and I when I was in college I mean I did go out sometimes but I was frequently working in the theater so I would just you know do my classes during the day go to the theater at night finish work for the next day in college so yeah. it was I wasn't like the, the biggest partier so I felt like I got to live vicariously uh. through this character so I did that and then and then I knew also in that time frame I think I'm saying this right I can't even remember but I think in that time frame then I booked the nightingale the Nightingale. So I knew that after Clique, I would be doing the Nightingale. Out. Yes, August 2nd. All right. So <laughs> how did you book the Nightingale? I auditioned kind of like with any, like with anything else. It was February. I remember February 2016. Wow. 2016. And it's now coming yes. out this August. Patience is another thing I've learned from this job. Wow. Um, yeah, February 2016, and it was, you know, pilot season, so there were tapes coming in and everything. And I just got sent this script, and my agent said, um, hey, take a look at this script and see if you want to go on tape. And I didn't make the connection initially that it was Jennifer Kent, because I just kind of scrolled past the right, like, the title page, and I started reading straight away. Um, and I thought, oh, God, I like, I really, really like this. Who wrote this? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Jennifer Kent, who did The Babadook. Mm. Um, and so I sent a tape off, and... Then they said that she wanted to Skype with me that Saturday. We Skyped. We got on really well. We kind of had very similar views on, you know, the story and the character and how we would want to portray certain certain difficult aspects of it. And um, and then a few months later, I flew myself out to L.A. for a two and a half hour callback. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I auditioned the first time in February, and I found out at the end of June that I got it. And wow. then we filmed the following March. <laughs> Uh, that is a process. Yeah. Was it through your American agent or? No, my think? Irish agent actually. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, I think one of the assistants, he's now an agent in his own right, but one of the assistants was on holiday in Australia. He said, hey, I'm going to be in Sydney. You know, like, should I meet any casting people out here for us to make connections with? And they said, yeah, go and meet, meet this person, Nikki Barrett. And she said that they were casting this film and would they have any Irish actresses to kind of um suggest yeah uh and so then yeah yeah it was crazy i but i just i have to say i'm so i'm so proud of the film but i'm so happy it's coming out because it has been so long from start to finish how does it how does it feel because i've never experienced that how does it feel to be in that process of from casting to august 2016 yeah uh from 2016 to august 2nd right now do you like sleep at night and you're like, ah, oh, I can't wait for it to come out? Or is it something like, I can't wait for that heat to pass? Like, what was your feeling like at night when you go to bed? It's gone through phases, you know, when they were in the edit and the edit took quite a long time. 
everything to do with the film took quite a long time. I think there's probably a reason for that. Um, <laughs> so there was a point where I just, I almost wanted to forget about it because I was just putting too much pressure on waiting for it to come out and seeing mm. how people's reactions would be to it. And I thought, well, will this ever come out? And I, you know, I said, because I'm, because I, I'm not known, we had to wait, we had to find someone else to get it greenlit. Like I couldn't, my name couldn't get it greenlit. Mm. But Jen, God bless her, um, she insisted on casting me. And it meant that we had to wait for someone who was more known to come on board. Thankfully, thank God, Sam Claflin did. Wow. And so we got financed. Um, but. How does that feel? And like you just said what you just said, it's. Like, How does that feel? It feels kind of cra crappy. I mean, I'm so happy that Sam came on board, but you know, again, so many, sorry, I keep saying about lessons, but like, as you say, it's all kind of part of, Yeah. it's kind of, you know, you get the part and you find out later on that the film lost financing because you got the part, you know, because they didn't choose a star who wanted it because they didn't choose someone famous who wanted to play it. So that feels kind of bad because you think, wow, I, you know, I, you think that it's just based on talent, but it's not so many films don't get financed unless there's a name attached to them. Yeah, I've seen that since I moved from New York. I've seen that side Oh of my it. God, and it's even more so here, I find. You know, I had an executive producer tell me that if he has two people that are very good, he definitely looks at their Instagram to see what their following is, which <laughs> I hate. Like, it's a reality. I hate it, so I'm going to have to get on board with it, but I really, really, really despise that side of it. Yeah. I'm not naive. I get that it's a business, but I also just think that it's kind of sad that it's not just based on talent and performance right um but yeah um <laughs> and and then and then there was the phase of you know i i had said yes to this job and i really really wanted it but so i said no to other work thinking that it would go and then it got pushed and then it got pushed and then it got pushed so i was saying no to work like quite a few times over thank god my agents were really really patient and they understood that i really wanted to do it and i really just believed in being a part of it how many no's do you think you said well i said no to another american style paying job <laughs> like a 10 up thing like, working with an like, amazing director yeah like we are the hood canopy and jazz <laughs> <laughs> um but i there was actually no doubt in my mind i was like yeah. i know there's a lot of money that i'm saying no to but if it in any way risks clashing with this film no there's so much a I don't know if it's for, mature. No, you are, because, <laughs> like, from just moving to London, big city, to, like, moving there to for, for school, coming to America to visit for a callback, and just, like, how everything, you, you've said no before. Like, I picture myself and so many other people may have said yes and to the wrong things, you know? Bear in mind, I do say no a lot of time, like, while crying. Like, it's not because okay, I'm just like, yeah, no. No, but it's so much um, you waited for it. And yeah, I but, think that's, a, like, that's, I'm, like, learning from you right now. I'm like, yeah, that's so cool. Like, you just, I'm looking at that, that fact of having control. Yeah. No. Well, I just also know actors who've been stuck on shows they don't like. Mm. For a couple of years because they've signed a really see, long people contract. Don't see it, like people don't see that side of it. And yeah. that's that's kind of like, remember we were speaking before this, is people don't see the side of this industry that other people coming up wouldn't see. Yeah. That people aren't sure that they don't like or they're stuck in it and then they can't do other projects. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you know they, there's an exclusivity deal on you and you can't or or maybe you're working nine months or you're on hold for nine months of the year and you don't have time to do anything else right. um and and obviously it's a risk i think it's you know you kind of have to but i'm not saying i get it right all the time by any means you know as i keep talking about like this past year was really hard i was like what you know questioning like why did i say no to that or no no or like am i am i actually even supposed to be doing this job yeah. um and also because I found that I just wasn't connecting to very much material, but then I was panicking because I was like, yeah. but I have to pay rent in New York, which yeah. is so expensive. expensive. Yep. Um, and yep. so I absolutely, like, obviously I've been very lucky and I have I will say that I've always been a very good saver um, whenever I can. But that's also, like, a privileged position to be in. You know, I've, I've done jobs that have, have allowed me to save a bit and so then wait out the scary times when you don't have work but I in no way judge someone who does a job because they need the money like if you need to pay your rent you need to pay your rent yeah. 
if you need to pay your health insurance, you need to pay your health insurance, yeah. you know? So I don't judge people who make decisions because they're in financial need, you know? that's Everyone has their own prerogative. But once you can be, you know, once there's an actually a good reason for you to do it and you don't feel like you're being pushed into it or um, if you can just be easy with the choice that you've made. But, like, yeah, it's full of doubts, too, and it's scary to say no. Yeah, well, I, I feel like, and I've heard from other actors, too, the power of no, um, just, it empowers you. And it has nothing to do with you being cocky or, or having thinking you're too big. It's being comfortable with the material so that you can give your best performance. And yeah. you clearly show that you want to give your best performance. Yeah. You know, and, and also you have to remember that a production company, you know, it's a business for them. They're going to try and offer you whatever they want to get out of you, you know, as much as they like you. And it happened again last year. I said no to something because I didn't want to do the options. And I was happy, well, I, I was happy in having said no. Yeah. And they came back saying, we'll cut, cut the options in half. Like, I, I still didn't do it because I didn't, that's not the re the only reason I didn't do it. I, I There were people on it that I definitely wanted to work with, but I just, again, didn't think that it was... I had just come to the States. I said, I really want to try and get some work here instead, instead of just going straight back to London. But, mm. you know, and again, I thought, whoa, like, okay, so they actually are sometimes willing to negotiate on their side as well, you know. Yeah. They're obviously going to come in with their offer <laughs> of what they want, but sometimes if you say, I don't really want to do that, they'll go, okay, what about this? Not always. <laughs> I'm not saying you just throw around nose for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, just quickly on the Nightingale, um, which you're a lead on. How does it feel to be a lead? When a I big movie yeah. that was successful in Sundance. Yeah, well, it's it's controversial. I'm really proud of it, but it, again, I went through phases. When I wanted the part, I was like, I'm like, I have to have this part. This part is mine. Like, I would do anything. Like, I wrote Jen like a really long message, being like, I'll give you everything. Like, I'll give you every <laughs> drop of everything I have if you give me this. And then when I got the role, I thought, oh my God, I actually have to do this now. <laughs> and that was scary because like going from having kind of cool parts, but you know, not necessarily big leads to being in every single day. I think I was, it was a 54 day shoot and I did 52 days. Wow. Like all day, those days. So it's like very much, wow. <laughs> it's kind of scary knowing that you're carrying a film that means so much to the writer director and yeah it's it's scary but yeah. thankfully I once I get to work I kind of just focus on that day and then and then though I had another of those panic moments where when I finished the job I thought oh my god people are going to see this at some point um and that kind of fills me with panic then as well because you realize that the that people are going to see the finished product and you've now done the film and you can't change anything you about change it anything. Um, thankfully this one went well, but so, um, we'll see. And that, and that, like, fear of, they see, there's two types of fears, I feel. Fear of, you just care to do something, but then there's also a fear of the responsibility. Yeah, definitely. How, how did you transition, how was that transition for you, and how did you transition from that fear of, okay, now I have that sold book. In my hand, I'm responsible for all these highlights. Yeah. Um, all these days, and the cruise is gonna be looking at me. Everyone's the whole cast is like <laughs> ran on me. How do, how do you transition from that person who didn't film day one, from getting on day one to day fifty four? I think everyone was nervous day one. You know, I think even okay. if people. I, the thing is. I think I would have been so overwhelmed if I had thought about the whole thing. And I, there were moments where I almost did that, where I started thinking about, oh my God, there's this huge story that I have to be responsible for. But then, you know, as soon as you get to set and people go, oh, cut, can you just move a little bit to the left? Or, oh, can you change that light? Or, and you go, okay, it's like a team effort. It's not, I can give my best performance, but like maybe if it's out <laughs> of focus, then it's not, you know what I mean? So yeah. that instantly makes it easier. But I also, I have to say I was so lucky because my performance is also down to the director that I worked with and she's Jennifer Kent like she I knew 1000% that she had she was not going to let anything on the screen that wasn't like the best that I could give her cool. which is really it's tough because you get pushed to the limit but it's also really liber liberating because you kind of go whew I don't have to worry about her 
choosing something a terrible take because she's just not going to let that happen you know she's going to push and push and push until you give her what you promised which was everything so that kind of helped it but I did struggle when we finished kind of going oh my god like did I do a good job like what will people think and also it's very there's pretty confronting material in it so there were moments where I thought oh god like did we pull it off did we tell it in the right way this is all before I'd seen it you know and I thought this is definitely a conflict confronting film and people are gonna have very strong opinions about it um but then you know I think it's not that I didn't work hard on my other jobs I really did give like my best at that time but the Nightingale was just I really what I know that I couldn't have given any more to that and it feels weird to say that out loud because usually I don't like admitting kind of things that make you sound vulnerable vulnerable but also that you think that you're great like it's nothing to do with thinking that I'm great it's just every single day I knew at the end of the day I was like whether that was good or not I don't know but I definitely know I couldn't have given any more and the result of that is that then when you get to the end of it and you know the film's coming out you just think well I I actually couldn't have done any more so if people like it great if they don't fine I like I know what I did and I know that I couldn't have done any more, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you, like, you have the confidence in her. Did you, like, FaceTime your mom, call Miss Rovna over here? Did you? Did I didn't you... know Rachel at the time of the Nightingale. Ah, yeah. Rachel. We only got to know each other afterwards. It's been a very fast and hard friendship. Yeah. And my, I mean, fast and hard is in. It's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you shot that in Tasmania. Tasmania, and yeah. and did you feel like secluded away from there? Why yeah, you felt like that. Initially, I was down there for six months. Actually, the shoot was fifty-four days, but I was in Australia for six months, and I was down there by myself. I didn't know anyone else, and you do feel very far away. You like you really feel very far away when you're in Australia. And the time difference is really, really hard. You call people and they're just going to bed when you're waking up or vice versa. And so it was really, we were in the middle of absolutely nowhere most of the time. Um, but then there kind of came a switch about three weeks in where we had a big party as a crew and mm. everyone just gelled. And so it doesn't mean that it, it was easy the whole way through. It wasn't. We definitely had really hard days, but there was such a feeling of camaraderie that we kind of, it was just one of those you know, the few jobs, there are a couple of jobs that just really stand out as having been just wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've been through Um And even the crew were saying, they're like, this is one of those rare ones, you know, <laughs> this is one of the rare ones. Um, so we got on really, really well. But there were there was one day where I remember calling my mom going, I just, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Nice. Without a doubt. Nice. You're, you see, you're like mature for like a, what is 50 year old? I don't know how to take that. 18 year old body. Anyway, um, just to wrap it up, if you could go back mm-hmm. and tell 10 years ago, Ashley, uh, something about your career or just life in general, what would it be? To really enjoy the highs when they come along. Yeah. Yeah, because I. There are some moments where I think I didn't I didn't actually stop to enjoy that. Like I didn't stop to enjoy it. I just worked hard and I did it, but then I just forgot about it and instantly was thinking and panicking about the next job. And you know, now I force myself at moments on a set to go, like, this is pretty awesome. You're getting right. to do what you dreamt of when you were six years old. And not many people can say that, you know, not many adults are doing what their younger selves wanted mm-hmm. to. So yeah, that's definitely something I would say. And to save. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And wisdom for years. Thank you so Thanks much. So much. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Stop. What an amazing episode. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing your insights on the industry, about life on set, Game of Thrones, what you're doing next, how we get a visa. thank you for your knowledge and you know as Denzel says each one teach one give back as you learn that's what this life is about so thank you so much Ashley 
And if anyone is listening to this and they have a friend who's an actor or actress and you just want to share some knowledge or share this wisdom, just share the episode with them. You know, post it or just share it with your friends. Let everyone know that this episode exists and Ashley's knowledge um, just spreads out to this universe. So thank you, Ashley, again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week's episode, episode 11, is going to be another good one with one of my other friends, uh, Da Vinci. So thanks for tuning in. 1,000 failures. I'm out.